to Flora and Friends, your botanical cup of tea, a podcast for plant lovers of any kind. We welcome guests to our botanical tea break to explore the history, science and meaning of plants for our lives. My name is Judith Lundbey-Felten. I'm a plant scientist, university researcher and founder of Flora L Design and I'm the hostess of your botanical cup of tea. Hello, hello, friends of the Flora and Friends podcast. I'm delighted to be here with you again for our first episode of the year 2022. And my wonderful guest today is Uppsala-based artist Amanda Selinda. And I discovered Amanda a few weeks back when I visited Uppsala Art Museum at the castle and she was one of the six um, stipend holders uh, through the year that had worked with a project for Uppsala. And uh, when I looked at the arts exposition, I was directly drawn to a big bunch of Petri dishes with fungal cultures that were hanging all over the wall from cultures that were more black towards some that were more brownish, red brownish, beige. So, and besides of that there was um, silk dyed with pigments from these fungi and I found it so interesting that Amanda comes from her background from fine arts and uses biology to visualize biological processes and I come with my background of biology and try to identify artistic ways in order to show what is inside plants through microscopy designs. So I wanted to talk to Amanda and see where her motivation came from, how she discovered the possibility to use with natural pigments and she really really unraveled to me the process that it took her to get to this piece of art that was shown at Uppsala Art Museum. So I am delighted to present Amanda to you and I hope you will enjoy this episode with her. There is as always some pictures related to this on our blog post which you can find at www.flora-l.com forward slash blog. And with this I say welcome to Amanda Selinda and I hope you find this interview inspiring. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Oh, thank you. It's so nice to be here. It's really lovely to have you here. And you are my first um, guest who is an artist. So I'm super excited oh, wow. getting a new perspective. <laughs> I've actually realized while reading about you that I didn't really know how artists work with all these things about residency and stipends. And I think you may maybe through my questions tell us a little bit how life as an artist is like as well in addition to all the other things that we're going to talk about about arts and fungi yeah <laughs> plants maybe yeah <laughs> so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from and how you discovered your passion for art and also what your relationship with nature is yeah I mean I'm um, I'm from like a very small town like four hours like south from Uppsala so yeah so it's kind of a small town so I'm from there and um, 
from the beginning, I mean, when I was younger, I always wanted to be like a musician. So my plan was to, to become a musician, like up till I was like 21 or something. And then I just wanted to like, I didn't know what to do. Uh, so then I went to like a foundation like year we have like in Sweden that we call like Folkhögskola uh, just to like figure out what I want to do. And then I studied art and, and it's from like there that I continue to work like with, with art and like studying at the university and so on. So yeah, so that's how I like started. It's not like, you know, a lot of artists is like, oh, I, I started with art when I was like really young. It's not like, like that for me. So it was like kind of, kind of late in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your passion for, for nature, because today you're fusing nature and, and art. Has that been emerging already as a child or is that something that you have discovered later? No, it's also something that I like discovered uh, like later, because when I uh, did like this foundation year, it was more like art in general, you know, like more like painting and like sketching and that kind of thing. And Uh, then I found like fiber arts like quite early. So, so I found that fiber as like a material was something that like I really wanted to work with. So then I went to like another foundation year school uh, that was more fiber arts. Uh, and there I started to like, I found it quite hard to just work with like a fiber that I didn't know where it came from or like, that it was dyed with something that I didn't know anything about, like a synthetic dye. So that's how I like got into, you know, how is like cotton like made of, like how is it made? Like, and, and then I came into like starting to look at the more, uh, yeah, you know, like the fibers, how they are, how they are produced and like natural dyes and, and all that kind of thing. So, so it, it basically came from that I questioning where the materials came from and how it's been dyed. So, and then it's like being developed like more and more and more from that. Such an interesting way. I think also when I, when I look what you are doing today, it's really like you find something and you dig deeper and want to understand more. It's a little bit like doing science. You find yeah. something you wonder about and you do experiments to understand more and you find new questions to understand more. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you die, you are using um, natural pigments from from fungi also from plants mm -hmm. sometimes yeah and uh yeah how did you learn about this now we have uh, understood how you discovered this with this idea of how is this actually made but how did you learn this well i actually just um, i mean if you there is like i mean a lot of you know literature and books and like a lot of knowledge about natural dyes so when When I started to like make research, I found that, oh my God, this is too advanced for me. So I just started to experimenting uh, in the beginning. So I took like things that I had like around me more like, yeah, you know, like onion skins and stuff like that, that is like really easy to find and easy to get, get pigment out from and so on. So, so that's how I started. And then also if I'm again talking about when I, when I did like my, B, my BFA, but um like they had this really, really old cabinet in there. Like in the, I mean, the first year you do like a lot of dyeing classes and like uh, weaving classes and so on. Uh, and then we had this dyeing class. And then I found this big cabinet with like really, really old natural pigments that like nobody had used since the seventies. So I was like, wow, what is this? And that's also how I had like access to a lot of this 
kind of, I mean, rare pigments also. So I just experimented. I didn't really know what it was and just like, yeah, played around a lot um, uh, with it. Um, so yeah, that's how I like started mm -hmm. <laughs> to work with it. Um, when I, I, I have a book about uh, natural dyeing and uh, I've read this, but it requires quite some infrastructure to do it, especially when you need salts, usually alone. Alone? Yeah, salt. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can, mm. you can use, I mean, for me, I, because I'm more like into, you know, the, the fine arts, for me, it's never been like important that it should like stay for a long time. It should be able to wash like the fabric or mm. all these kind of things. And then I kind of skipped a lot of this like mordanting processes because I just wanted to ex like experiment because if you do all this, you know, like, Have, first you have to mordant the fabric to open up the fibers and then you need to like dyeing it and it should be like this specific temperature and then maybe you have to like mordant it after so so the pigment sticks I mean it's it's a really long process so I just skipped like all the steps that I didn't thought was so fun actually mm -hmm. so I just dyed like with different kind of ways to see what kind of pigments that I got out and then I've been like doing more and more of depending on what kind of artwork I'm doing if it should I mean um, the dye should stay for a longer time and so on mm -hmm. so how, how predictable is the color if you use natural materials for dyeing um, I mean it really depends on um, what I mean what you're using I mean if it's more like this uh, I've been working a lot with uh, indigo and wood for example and then I mean it gets blue so I mean uh, that's what you get but uh, when I've been working with like fungi I mean the process is so much longer because I mean I'm isolating like all the fungi myself and then I mean even if I use one fungi like I'm stealing from the fungi it can turn out like different kind of pigments but it's not what you see so it's like Yeah, th then it gets like a little bit more, uh, yeah, not what I expect at all uh, compared to more like traditional natural dyes. So, yeah, it's really different. <laughs> it's really like a living organism. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's also why I really enjoy to work with like natural dyes because, I mean, even if you, for example, have like red cabbage, you say, and it depends on like what kind of, pH level it was in the soil, what kind of material, I mean, what kind of pH level it is in the water and, and so on. So it's so many things that is like affecting the dice. You can never get exactly the same uh, when you redo it. And that's mm -hmm. something I think is really fascinating because then you have to be more like open uh, what's going to happen yeah, when, during the process. And I, and I really enjoy and like uh, working in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also, I mean, I think it's really nice, but it can also be like hard if I'm going to sell something, for example, <laughs> because people want to know what they are buying. So, so that's also hard in that kind of uh, aspect. <clears throat> exactly. The, I, I was the, the red cabbage I'm uh, remembering because our kids, they like when we, when we cook red cabbage to use the water <laughs> to <Yeah>. experiment, <laughs> to have soap in it and it gets blue and yeah. to have lemon juice in it and gets bright red. Yeah. So we use that even for cooking. 
<laughs> cooking our pasta in different mm. colors. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's so. nice. I mean, I love, I've been working a lot with like red cabbage because I love that you can get like so much different kind of, uh, I mean, colors just from the same. So, I mean, it's great. It's that's, really fun. Yeah, that's really, really fun. Uh, and it goes so fast. So, yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's a lot of fun. You have spent during your um, education and also afterwards quite some time in different countries. There was, uh, you went to Brazil, you went to Spain and to New York in the US. What kind of influences has this brought to you when it comes to like natural dyes and uh, doing arts with them? Yeah, I mean, I did like um, uh, one year, like exchange year in New York. And that was actually... I mean, that meant like everything to me because it was the reason why I wanted to be at this school in New York is because they have, it's, it's more common that it, you work with like something that is called bioart. So you're mixing biology and art. And in this school, they have a lab uh, where like a biologist, like educated biologist was working where you could do your artistic projects. Um, and this was really like an eye-opening for me, like how I, as an artist, can use like this kind of lab methods to, to make art. So for me, that was like, it changed everything for me to be there. So, um, and it's also more like they have so many like community labs, you know, that you can work and it's kind of easy to access, to work in that kind of way there. So, uh, yeah, and um, I mean, we don't really... Now it's starting to popping up a lot here, but like six years ago, it wasn't that common. So for me, that was really nice to be there. I loved it, actually. So it, uh, yeah, uh, that was really nice and helped I, me a lot. I feel I need a sabbatical and go there myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and experience that. That sounds really cool. Is yeah. there a lot of artists that are taking advantage of this opportunity to work into the biology and what kind of kind of projects are people doing can you give some examples yeah I mean um, uh, it's a lot of um, for example working with like fluorescence uh, bacteria uh, for example um, some people did that more like you know petri dish art but then it was like one artist who who tried to uh, genetically modify like a tobac tobacco plant but it should smell like an orange. So it was like a mix of really different kind of uh, 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 project. And there I also started to work a lot with um, uh, like biofilm um, because I was very interested how like producing my own textiles and so on. So I worked for a couple of years with a biofilm um, and that's basically like a, it's cellulose but it's produced from bacteria and fungi um in in that in that case that I worked with biofilm so um so I did a lot of things with that there um, that's exciting so uh, did do, how did you how did you do that how did you grow biofilms in on a large surface yeah exactly so I I mean it's uh, basically I used the uh, kombucha mm -hmm. um and the like the uh, like the bacterial culture you see on the surface. So I used that one, but I grow like in a really large scale instead. And then I was more like interested in um, if I was dyeing this biofilm with natural pigments, then you can see it because different kind of like bacterial colonies 
absorb different amount of pigments. So then it created a lot of patterns inside this uh, like biofilm. So, so I worked both with the natural dyes and uh, growing the biofilm. And then I was also uh, more in like a, a very experimental uh, because I wanted to like see if I could use like my own body as like the nutrient for this biofilm instead of like, you know, adding a lot of sugar and all these kind of things. So I was like walking around in it and uh, like, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> inside like this, uh, the, the bath and so on. And um, that was like really interesting because it actually grew like so much faster. And I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I mean, it, I guess it was because it was so many other stuff like helping this to, uh, to grow <laughs> so uh so that was like more to like immerse myself into like what i was doing trying to figure out something and so on so that was quite interesting i love that it's so it's so creative and there's uh, there's like where science and and arts are meeting is a great place to create new things mm. and uh, is uh how do you get your ideas for well uh, they are just like popping up and I guess it's more because I I mean I started with like natural dyes and then I, I, I get like more more smaller and smaller and smaller like so it feels like I don't it, it just pops up I, I it's always I know like how, what kind of direction I, I want to go because it's always so much to do so <laughs> there's like when I start with one kind of process I find something else in the kind of process and then I start with that and then I find something else and then it's just continuing continuing so it feels like yeah I mean now I'm like mostly working with fungi but I mean so it's but it's yeah so it gets like smaller and smaller in a way mm -hmm. <laughs> um Let's maybe talk a bit about uh, the exposition that I have actually seen where you have been working with fungi and you have been dyeing silk with the fungi. Mm -hmm. Where did the choice of material come from? Why did you use silk? Well, I mean, I use uh, silk mostly because it's uh, very easy to use uh, to work with natural dyes and silk. It absorbs the, I mean, the pigment uh, very well. Um, and then I also like the transparency. Uh, I really like to work with the, um, um, when you're placing like the, uh, the dyed like fabrics in a room, for example, you get a totally other feeling when you have like silk. Uh, then if you use like cotton or uh, wool or whatever, what uh, other kind of material, because it's also, it's shiny, but it's also light. So then when you go, like between the fabrics, you get like a movement that I like. So yeah, mostly it's because it's the easiest fabric to work with, like in, in a natural, uh, with natural dyes. And then also I like how it looks and the transparency and the shiny, shininess and so on and how it moves in the room and, and yeah. Um, and it's really beautiful because it has itself a little bit of a, 
like eggshell or creamy color and the the pigments from the fungus were a little bit brownish if i remember brownish and towards orange and it was a very nice combination of different shades on the silk that you had created mm. and you had um there were structures on the silk so it wasn't just like blobs of of pigment somewhere it was like symmetrical shapes mm. do you paint them or do you fold the fabric and dye the fabric in a specific way or how do you do you well, do that well yeah so this um uh, like the exhibition that you saw i've been i've been working with um, like endophytic fungi so um i've been like taking small like pieces of different kind of uh, leaves from different kind of trees and then i've been like uh, putting them on agar medium, uh, nutrition media, like in petri dishes. And then I've been seeing what's uh, coming out, like what is growing out from the leaf. Uh, and the one that looks like they have pigment, I've been like isolating and then like, uh, yeah, uh, growing further. Um, and so the ones that are producing pigment, I mean, either they can uh, produce pigment like in the media or they can... Um, like the fungi itself have like the pigment or how you say uh, and um, and then I've been doing like in different kind of ways so um, in one kind of way I've been putting like the fabric uh, in the nutrition agar media like in the petri dish and then I've been putting the the isolated like fungi that is like producing or like have like this pigment um, on the surface And then it's been growing uh, and it depends. I mean, the fungi have like different stages. So some, I mean, in the beginning, it can be like maybe yellow, let's say, like Fusarium, one fungi uh, in that kind of strain. Uh, it's more like yellow in the beginning and then more red when it's like older. So then it creates different kind of colors because, I mean, it's growing on the surface and then it creates these patterns. Um, but then I also been when I'm working with like bigger fabrics, I've been like folding the fabric, like you could say like in a shibori in a way, like you're folding in that kind of pattern you want. And then I'll be putting it in a big plastic bag instead. Uh, and also using like liquid, a, a, like liquid nutrition media instead. And then I've been putting in like small plugs of the fungi Uh, and I mean, it's the same thing there, like depending on like if it's in the beginning of its life cycle or like in the end or if it's like growing in inside a pocket of like air, then it creates. So it gets like different kind of colors. Uh, yeah, I don't really know why, because it depends on the fungi, but um, I guess it's because the, the yeah, how much air it has and how much mm -hmm. like the yeah like in it, the plastic bag it could be an oxidation process as well that is happening when you have the different pigments that it's going to be oxidized when there's more air or not when there's less air and that makes the different color like with um iron for example when you oxidize yeah it, it gets more of a red color mm. i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know which is more than like the red or the yellow is more the oxidized or the non-oxidized <laughs> but it's probably a similar process also with the pigments going on in the in the fungus 
It's yeah. very interesting that you have selected endophytic fungi and that you needed to first go through the process of isolating them. Mm. Um, and how did you get to that idea? It's not straightforward. I think the most straightforward process would have been to pick fruiting bodies in the forest, which are visible. But yeah. so you started with something where you didn't know whether and what they would be growing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was actually because, um, so I did like a, um, it's like a public uh, art commission um, um, in a specific park in Uppsala. So then it was like the uh, the company like Akademiska Hus, which is like, um, yeah, they are like owning the university buildings like in Uppsala and, and in everywhere in Sweden. Um, and they, in this park, they have been working with like the biodiversity. Um, so they have been like, you know, building uh, like insects, um, you know, so how do you say, like insects, uh, hotel and, and stuff like that. And um, and this park is very specific because like back in the days, it was part of the, like the castle garden. So it's like very different kind of trees there. Um, so it's a very specific, like unique park in a way. And they've been working with the biodiversity in different kind of ways. And one part of this was to, invite an artist to work with the biodiversity in the park. So then I got asked to do this. Uh, and because it was like Akademiska Hus, I mean, and they are renting it out to Uppsala University. It was also some scientists there, like researchers that was interested to, depending on what I should do, like be involved in this kind of project. So, uh, and usually in my art practice, I work with things, I mean, that is, often around us, but we cannot see them because it's so small. Uh, and then I'm growing it in a large scale format. So, because then it's more easier for us to understand that it's actually there. Um, and one thing then was that I wanted to work with fungi because I mean, fungi is everywhere around us, but we don't see them often. And they are like hidden, like under the ground, like inside cells in the trees and so on. So, so I knew that I wanted to work with fungi and present that they like the diversity of fungi in this park, even if we can't see them. Um, and then I talked with the, uh, Anna Rosling that I've been working with. She's a researcher at the university. Uh, and uh, endophytic fungi, because they're exposed to like UV light, they can produce, I mean, it's not always like that, but often they can produce more pigment because they are exposed to the UV light and it can be a part of the, uh, like how they defend themselves, for example, or it can, yeah, for example. So that's why I choose to work with endophytic fungi that is like, yeah, exposed to UV light. Um, yeah. So that's how I started to work with this. And then it was just like a process of like trying to figure out, I mean, I've been cultivating like so much I mean it's not like I do like one you know sample and then you get like a fungi so I did like hundreds different kind of samples and then yeah uh, I just choose the one that looked like they have uh, pigments or like producing pigments and I mean even if they some fungi have pigments it they don't necessarily like bind to the uh, fabric so that's also a process to see if it works to tie with it so yeah. Uh, 
It's quite an effort. And in the exposition, you had actually the Petri dishes with the um, isolates on the wall. So one could see the impressive number. Were they all unique or were they some that were replicates of each other? Uh, some were replicates. Um, so, yeah. Um, mm. But but it was like uh, a mix. I mean, now I've also had some problems with like, you know, mice and stuff. So then a lot of, uh, and I mean, I'm also learning a lot, like how I should like, how can I keep them, you know, uh, without uh, they get contaminated and all this kind of stuff. And um, so it's been taking quite some time to, to, to do this. And also, I mean, before I, maybe I should say before I worked with Anna, I've, I've also been working with fungi in this kind of way, but more like, parasitic fungi for example so um that is like producing pigments i've been working with like fusarium that um um have like this really uh, bright like pinkish color uh, for example so um uh, so yeah but it's like i mean it's so much more to do with this kind of project so for me it's like wow it's in the beginning like really in the beginning i have so much to do here <laughs> Yeah. And you have been, when you isolated the fungi, have you been in the lab uh, at the university or do you do that uh, in your studio? Uh, well, I mean, before I did like this specific project with, uh, with Anna, I was in my studio and, uh, and did all that. But I mean, it's quite hard because uh, you don't have like the flow hood and all these kind of things. So a lot of things get contaminated and then you're wasting a lot of time. So, uh, so now I've been working in, uh, in Anna's lab. And it's also, I mean, right now I'm actually, um, I, instead of like doing a master in fine arts, I decided to try if I could do like a bachelor in biology. So I'm also studying right now biology, like at the same time as I'm uh, doing my arts, but that is also helping me because then it's easier for me to access the lab. Um, so that's also why I have been uh, able to work in the lab because I did like this public art project and then I'm also a student. So then it's easier because I'm still going to be there, even if the project is, you know, over. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so then I've been working in the, in the lab with this uh, like uh, latest project. And I mean, it, it helps a lot. It's so much easier, everything. And I've read you, uh, you have been continuing with these fungi now to start sequencing them and identifying really which ones they are. What is the aim of, of that project? Uh, well, I mean, in one kind of, uh, from the beginning, it was more <clears throat> uh, because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to understand the process. But then, I mean, it's, it's also interesting to see what kind of species that I've been working with um, and uh, so both like in an artistic, but also it's interesting to see this kind of endophytic fungi. I mean, have they been like observed before? Like in, I mean, in, in from another perspective, if they have been, you know, found like in Sweden before or have they not? Or, and then it's also easier to maybe find, I mean, articles about this specific uh, fungi, maybe, I mean, I can get some clues there, how I can work with it. And, you know, so it helps uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And then it's also, I mean, so much fun to do this kind of process. I mean, I've never done that before, but, but now I did like all the steps myself and now I know the process and so on. So it's, uh, uh, I also realized that I can actually do this 
I mean, by myself, even if I don't have a lab, because it's, I mean, there is some community uh, labs that you can use and so on and um, easier tools to, and then you can send it in and get like the sequence back and so on. So that's also a good thing that it, that it's a, you can actually do it without having like this fancy, fancy, fancy lab at the university. So that's good. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Uh, you are you're very inspiring, I think, how you connect arts and science and you you want to learn more about the science, which is also very intriguing. What kind of doors has this opened to you to know more about the biology of what you're doing? Well, I mean, everything in my art, I mean, all my inspiration is like 100% biology, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I'm an artist, but... The people that I get inspiration from, also when I look back, I didn't realize it um, before, but it's always been like scientists or like, you know, watching like this nature program about something or whatever. Um, in, a, in, a, in a way, I mean, this, uh, like the bio-artist, bio I mean, it's, it's really a new like topic in the arts. So there is like so many things there to like discover uh so and it's also been like i don't i don't even know how to like explain it but it feels like i i'm not working like in the you know in the in the in the typical like artist area in, in that kind of way i'm like working somewhere else but i really like it because i mean i i mostly like hang, hang out with people that are like into you know fungi or like plants or whatever And that makes me like doing, getting like other kind of perspectives in a way. So I guess that's why I, yeah, I don't really know, actually. I don't think I have an answer on that question. <laughs> I think I can relate to that. For me, it's a bit the same the other way around. By, by looking at arts and by seeing what people do, like to express something, I'm getting ideas for my science. Mm. Because it's as you say, for me, the, the the fact of doing microscopy design or put on fabric, I have also that passion for textile. Mm -hmm. And to, to put the things that usually we don't see visibly on a fabric is the same to make it visible and to make it visible in a new way. And mm -hmm. I think that is what what uh, arts and, and science can learn from each other. The mm. science brings the depths, but the arts are a way to communicate it in yeah. a very creative way and I think that's just so it's such so fascinating and honestly I wasn't aware that bio art is a big thing that is growing so <laughs> I feel this is really great <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so I mean it's uh, it's a lot of things going on there so um, yeah so it's it's really really interesting and uh, inspiring actually mm -hmm. so that's also like something if I can like you know dream big but uh, because there is no like lab in the art schools today in Sweden. So one of my like dreams is to like create some kind of lab for artists. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the university, but it would be great because then more people know that it's actually possible to work in this kind of way. Um, so I think that's like in the future, I mean, it should definitely be a lab at the art schools. And I mean, if you look at Finland, for example, they have several um, they, like bio art things going on there, like in the university, for example. So it really depends on uh, what kind of country you're looking at. So yeah. 
there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, great. Mm. Yeah, that things are not existing always gives us lots of possibilities to do something yeah. about it. Yeah. I like that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to know what, what is next for you. Now you're studying, you're still working with your fungi. What is your next art project that you are doing? Um, well, I the next like exhibition that I will be a part of is uh, it's going to be like a exhibition about natural dyes actually at Sörmlands museum. Um, so it's like the first exhibition where I've been a part of like, where it's actually about natural dyes. So that's going to be interesting. So I'm going to be a part of a group uh, exhibition there. And then um, now it's more that I, uh, how do you say like, um, like leading some projects. So there will also be uh, an exhibition like this year in the end of the year um, that I will uh, like, like lead this project, for example, but I'm not going to be like exhibiting myself, but I'm like, yeah, doing like that kind of thing. So, so now it's like a mix of uh, this exhibition in Sörmland and then also to create this new project uh, and then also uh, do like my uh, studies mm. uh, as well. So that's like what's right now. I've actually been uh, saying like no to some things now because otherwise I don't have time to do like the the studies. I mean, it's so much to do there and um, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I have time to finish it sometime. <laughs> I'm especially happy then that you said yes to be part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What a chance for me. This has been really, really exciting. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we are coming to the end. I um, wanted to know where people can find you. Well, uh, I have an Instagram. That's the best, like, uh, where I upload mo mostly recent things. So I have uh, an Instagram uh, and it's Amanda Selinder. Yeah, my name, just in one line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so there you can find like all my uh, works and so on. And then I also have, if you're interested to see, um, uh, like when I did this project in the park, uh, I had a specific website that is called biologicalpigments.com. And there you can see like all the processes. So when you get into this website, uh, you will see like a map of the, Uh, of the this park um, and then there are like, specific dots and if you like uh, uh, yeah push on them uh, and then you see like the process with the different kind of things that I've been doing in the park I mean now I talked mostly about the the fungi but I also did uh, some more like traditional like echo printing like when you're using more like the patterns of the leaves and then like dyeing with them in different kind of ways and yeah so so there you can if you're interested in like Yeah, trying to like start to working with natural pigments in some kind of way. You can go in there and then I have like tutorials and stuff there. So fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that I haven't asked and that you would like to share? Uh, well, I mean, it's been very nice to talk to you. And uh, uh, I mean, fungi is so inspiring. That's why I mostly... Uh, end up like only talking about fungi when I'm talking about my art artistic like research and so on but uh, that's like where I'm putting like all my energy uh, in right now it's like so so interesting 
I really like to work with fungi and it's so many levels there. Uh, so really fascinating. Yeah, definitely in different kind of ways. So thank you so much for opening our eyes to a new way of seeing and using fungi and working with them and uh, a glimpse into the world of the fine arts. Mm, thank, thank you, Amanda. You. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and if you did so, please share it. And if you're listening from a platform where you can leave a review or a ranking, I would be delighted to get a five-star review from you. This will help the podcast to be found and make even more people aware of how wonderful nature around us is. If you would like to be updated on future episodes, subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify or Google Podcast or whatever your favorite podcast provider is. Or register for our newsletter at www.flora-l.com. Thank you and goodbye.